Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. No one could agree on what to do. The three travelers had just finished up an appointment in Indianapolis on January 15th of 1941. They planned to board a train the next morning and begin the long journey back to California. It was really Jane Peters' trip, but she was traveling with her mother, Bess, along with a mutual friend. Jane was the one calling the shots, but had been happy to ride the train home until she received a message from her husband, who was eager to see her. To be honest, she was just as eager to get home and be with him too, so when he suggested they skip out on their train tickets and catch a commercial airliner home, Jane lit up with joy. The conflict arose when Jane's friends shook their heads and refused. They both hated the thought of flying and would rather take the slower but safer route home by train. In the end, they did what any group of indecisive travelers might do. They flipped a coin. Heads, they would follow Jane onto the airplane and get home faster. Tails, they would take the train as planned. Everyone agreed to let the coin decide for them, and so they pulled out a coin and gave it a toss. The winner was the airplane. They boarded TWA flight number 3 at 4 a.m. on January 16th and began the westward flight home. Today, that airplane would have made it all the way to California without a problem. But in 1941, there were less flights, so they needed to pick up a few people along the way. St. Louis was their first stop, and then on to Albuquerque. After that, they headed to Las Vegas to refuel before heading west to California. The plane took off from Las Vegas around 6.55 a.m., with 22 people on board. Thirteen minutes later, however, the captain made a navigational error and somehow flew the plane into the side of Potosi Mountain. Everyone on board the plane died instantly, including Jane. Jane Peters' husband, Clark, was heartbroken. He flew to Las Vegas to claim his wife's body along with his mother-in-law and the family friend. Actually, the family friend was Clark's press agent. Clark, you see, was a well-known film star named Clark Gable. And Jane? Well, she was buried in Forest Lawn Memorial Park outside of Burbank, near Hollywood, where she spent most of her life. Jane, you see, was one of the most important Hollywood stars of the 1930s, and had just finished raising the modern equivalent of $33 million for the war efforts. She was adored, and would be sorely missed. Most people don't know her as Jane Peters, though, because that was her birth name. Instead, Her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, along with the credits of all her films, bear her stage name, Carol Lombard. She accomplished so much in her short life, but if it wasn't for the flip of a coin, who knows what else she might have done. Sadly, we never will. Harry arrived at the old English mansion with work on his mind, but he left with something else entirely. He had been called upon to take care of a fairly simple task. Much like the mansion itself there in York, 
The pipes in the basement were really old, and a few of them needed replaced. As a plumber's apprentice, this was the sort of task he could handle on his own, so he was sent out to get the job done. As he worked at the top of a ladder, his neck bent to study the pipe above him, he was startled by a sudden noise. He later told others that it sounded like a trumpet. With one long, steady blast, it seemed to come out of nowhere and took him by such surprise that he actually fell off the ladder to the stone floor below. As he was returning to his feet, the sound stopped and something entered the basement through a far wall. Well, entered is a misleading term. This figure seemed to step out of the wall itself, as if the stone there was nothing more than a mirage. At the sight of this figure, Harry lost his cool and rushed into a dark corner to watch it from a distance. He claimed it was the figure of a Roman soldier, complete with weapons, armor, and a plumed helmet. After the soldier had passed all the way through the basement wall, it was followed by more. They walked in pairs, side by side, in front of horses that were pulling carts. Harry was terrified, but he watched it all nonetheless. Each of the soldiers, he claimed, were wearing short swords on their right hip and carrying round metal and wood shields. Beneath their armor, Harry could see green tunics, and their feet were clad in leather sandals with straps that wound all the way up to their knees. He watched this ghostly parade for a few moments as they exited the wall on one side of the basement and then vanished in the same manner on the opposite side. And then they were gone. Harry, though, had a choice. Keep working or run out of the basement as quickly as he could. I can't find a record of which option he picked. What I do know, though, is that he told others about what he saw. It was a fantastic story, full of suspense and drama, but it earned him a lot of criticism. It was all fantasy, some said. The Roman soldiers in his vision weren't historically accurate, because Romans wore red, not green, and they carried rectangular shields, not round, with their swords on their left hip, not their right. Every historian in 1953 was absolutely certain of this. It turns out Harry wasn't the only person to have seen the ghostly soldiers. Decades before, a guest of the previous owner of the mansion claimed to have seen them as well. But just like Harry, he was laughed at and ridiculed. Not that Frank Green, the man who owned the place, ever doubted a Roman connection to the mansion. In fact, quite the opposite. Green knew for a fact that his mansion had been built right on top of an ancient Roman road. He had even uncovered a number of Roman columns on the property and placed one of them upstairs in the main house. The Romans were real, as everyone knew. But the ghosts? Well, that was just fantasy. All of that changed years later. Archaeologists digging near the mansion discovered the graves of Roman soldiers that dated to a period after the Romans had left England and gone back to Rome. They were, in fact, Roman-trained reserve soldiers, given the task of watching over Rome's investment in the area. And there was something unexpected about them. Each skeleton had a sword beside it, located not on the left hip as expected, but on the right. The shields and the grave sites were also unusual since they were round and not the typical rectangular shape. But the biggest shock of all was the discovery of small scraps of fabric, which hinted at the true color of their tunics. You can probably guess what color they were, too. That's right, 
They were green. Our old plumber friend Harry took a lot of flack for his bizarre encounter that day in the basement of the mansion. He was mocked and shamed and told he was wrong. But over the years, he stuck to his story and never wavered. And I think it's safe to say that that was a good thing. Because time, and a bit of digging, eventually proved him right. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.